welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. You're doing well. I was just thinking as I was preparing for this uh, morning, um, I haven't spoken at Real Men for a long time. The last time we had a Real Men, Ashley Evans from Paradise spoke. The time before that, Danny Guglamucci spoke from Edge Church. The time before that, my younger brother, Baz, he spoke. And I'm assuming, it must have been before that that I spoke. So that's like six, seven, eight months ago. So um, it's a real privilege to uh, be able to share with you. I don't ever want to waste anyone's time. Um, I do love preaching, but I do feel the weight of it because it's, it's, a, it's a responsibility um, that I don't take lightly. And uh, I just really trust and pray that what I share today, um, you'll get something from and it will help you and ultimately change you. Um, I want to read a scripture to you and it's found in Acts chapter 4 verse 13. And uh, if you've been a Christian for a number of years, you'll probably pick up where I'm going with this because it's quite a well-known portion of scripture. And in Acts chapter 14 verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Bunch of guys, unschooled, ordinary, yet they had incredible power, they had incredible strength, they weren't like anyone else they'd come across, and the only conclusion that they could come up with was this, they'd been hanging around a man by the name of Jesus. Now 2,000 years on, we tend to take that portion of scripture and talk about it in the sense of us getting away and being with Jesus from a spiritual sense. Get in your prayer closet and, and pray and spend time with Jesus. And, and, and there's a place for that, and I'm not here to belittle that. But I want to highlight something else about this text this morning, and it's this. These men didn't go and be by themselves and pray to an invisible God. These men were around a bloke. These men were around a man, someone they could touch, someone that they could look at, someone they could see, someone that they could follow, someone that they could admire, someone that they could just just get inspired by. It wasn't just in the context that we have a relationship with Christ now. It was actually a man that stood before them. I want you to catch that, that they had an incredible man. And that incredible man changed ordinary men. The point I'm trying to make this morning is this. You become like those you hang around. Got it? These men were ordinary and yet they displayed extraordinary characteristics. And they put it down to the fact that they hang around this guy called Jesus. You will become like those that you hang around. My question then, off the back of my point, is this. Who are the men in your life? Really. 
Who are the men in your life? Are they good husbands if they're married? Are they good single men if they're not married? Are they handling their singleness well? Or are they just flirting around with every girl they meet, sleeping around with every girl they meet? Are they doing their current life well? Thought. Are they good parents? If they don't have kids, are they good kids to their parents? Are they good friends? Do they have good character? In my 42 years of life experience, I've learned this, that there's only a few good men out there. And it's your job to find them and ultimately become them. Got to find good men to become good men. And so we can change the scenario of having a few good men to a whole stack of good men. That's got to be the goal. There's a whole stack of good Extraordinary men. We need to find them and become like them. Probably one of the greatest things in my life that I'm most thankful for is this. That I've had lots of good to great men in my life. Only last week I flew to Dubai, 13 and a half hours from Sydney to get to a place called Dubai, which is in the Middle East, to spend time with 16 other men and their wives and just dialogue and encourage and be adjusted and corrected and helped and to become a better man in and of myself. And I want to tell you, this last week, and those that are closest to me know this, I've come back changed. I was with Maddie in the gym the other day and he just said, man, I can see the energy that's in your life since you've been away. And that's the point. That's the purpose of hanging around good men because if you hang around good men, you'll become a good man. And so I've had the privilege of having a lot of good men in my life. Probably the greatest influence in my life and the greatest man who's influenced my life, and this won't come as a shock to any of you that know me well, is my dad. And I want to make three quick points and I want to use my illustration of my dad to highlight those three points so that you and I can become good men. Is that all right? For us to become good men, we need to hang around good men. And good men, number one, love God. Love God. You know, we are triune beings and it's not enough just to be physical men. I mean, I love a little biff and I love a little bit of weightlifting and I love a little bit of rough and tumble. I like physical sport and physical activity, but we're not just physical beings. We're not just mental beings. We can't just have discussions and just think through things. We're actually spiritual beings as well. And in order for us to be whole, we have to look after the whole man. And in order to do that, we need to have a relationship with God. Otherwise, our spirit in us is going to die. And so for us to become good men, we need to hang around men who love God. In Matthew 22, verse 37, it says, Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And that's a great scripture, isn't it? We love it on our wall. It's fantastic. We even, we like it because it's easy to remember. But often we don't grasp the magnitude of what that's saying. 
And so I want to break it down real quickly because loving God is seen in the way you love people. You know that? People say, oh, you just got to love God. But it's actually, when you love God, it will manifest. People will see the love you have for God in the way you live your life, in the way you love people. It's really sad to me that we have many Christians that say they love God, and yet they got no time for people. They give up on people so quickly. One thing I admire about my dad is that he's been married for over 50 years. And by and large, for the most of that time, the woman that he married, my mum, and my mum is an incredible woman, and my mum is an is a, is a incredible mother, and she's an incredible friend. But for whatever reason, and I'm not here to judge her, but for whatever reason, she just didn't seem to see eye to eye with my dad. And for the most of the 50 plus years that they've been married, it has been a pretty much a loveless marriage. I don't know if you've ever tried to play tennis by yourself. Whoop! Bam! Huh. Okay. Try again. not much fun. That's what dad's marriage has been like. Over 50 years, giving love and not receiving a lot of love back. And he was in a church where Christian ladies were kind of making it very obvious that, hey, me and you could hook up. I don't know what you would do in that situation. I know what a lot of people do. They just bail. But I think one of the things that marks my dad as a great man and why he's influenced my life so much and why I know he loves God is because the way he loved people. He's loved a woman that has not given him any love back. And he's loved me to the point of going without in his own life. When I was age 12, mum and dad were talking about having a separation, mum's idea. And I remember being absolutely distraught and devastated and running in between them, crying, saying, please, I don't want you to leave, as any 12-year-old kid would respond. And I never forget my dad's response. He looked at my mum, looked at me and said, lady, you're not going anywhere. Again, I'm not saying this to belittle my mom. I'm saying this to honour my dad. He said, lady, you're not going anywhere. Because our boys, I love that. I'll never forget that. Our boys, not your boys, not my boys, but our boys. You don't create boys without togetherness. Our boys need a mum and a dad. He knew he could never be a mother to us. And for the sake of our health and for the sake of our well-being and for the sake of our well-roundedness, he said, let's stay together for the sake of the boys. And they did and they have and they continue to do so. How do I know my dad loves God? Because the way it's manifest in the way he loves people. He's been prepared to go without. I hope I don't embarrass him when I say this, but you know, pretty much around that time they moved out of bedrooms that was a long time ago. I'm 42. That was when I was 12. 
And he's a married man. But they're not living in the same bedroom. I don't know about for you, but as a married man, that would kill me. But there's something else that's going on inside this great man, and it's called love. And genuine love is bigger than your circumstance. Genuine love is bigger than your situation. Genuine love looks to the future and declares, you know what, it may not be great now, but it's going to be great down the track. And here we are. Who enjoys this church? Who enjoys these meetings? I tell you what, I do not believe that these meetings would even exist if my dad just ticked off when I was 12. I I don't know. But I do know this, that it shaped my thinking. It, It shaped my perception on life. And so when someone says to me, I love you, but there's no evidence of it, or when they say they love God and there's no evidence, you've got to understand, I'm, I'm not fooled easy because I've seen love. When I challenge some people, they think I'm being judgmental. It's not. It's just that when you've been in the real, the counterfeit is so obviously wrong. That's the thing. I've just seen the real. And here's the thing. The, the, the love that dad has for me and the, the way he displayed it is not a natural love. It's not something that he can do. He'll tell you he's a red-blooded, testosterone-filled man. It's not a natural love. He's ordinary. He's unschooled, just like these guys called the disciples. But you know what? Enter Jesus and something supernatural happens. He takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. He takes the, the, the inability to be able to hang around and turns it into the ability to stick. It's called stickability. Because of love. If I'm anything that is good or wise or helpful to you this morning, it's because I've hung around men that are bigger than me. Men that are better than me. Men that are more experienced than me. You don't want to hang around idiots or you become an idiot. You know, Maddie's become a very good friend of mine. It's amazing how close you can get in a very short period of time. I didn't even know Matt until six months ago. And it's been one of the highlights of my 2010 coming in contact with a mate. Similar age, he's a bit older than I am. Not quite as good looking. Not quite as muscular. Me and you, the bloke, come on. Dude, I'll take you down. I've been hanging around Danny Morton. <laughs> All jokes aside, listen to me. We've become good friends and we have similar interests and we both like the gym. And he's become my training partner. And I love it because he is that bit bigger and he is that bit stronger than me and he is that bit more experienced in that field than I am. And I tell you that unashamedly and that's why I'm hanging around him. I don't want to be the strongest guy in the gym. I actually don't. I want to be around men that are stronger than me because they push me and they bring the best out of me. And I thought that's like a metaphor for life. And I thought I've always tried to surround myself with bigger, better, stronger, more experienced, more wiser, more mature men than me. Because that's what's going to grow me. If I, You know the babushka dolls? If you hang around someone smaller... 
and they hang around someone smaller, pretty soon you produce pygmies. But if you hang, the reverse is also true. If you hang around people bigger, who hang around people bigger, who hang around people bigger, you produce giants. I'm not leaving this church to produce little boys. I want to produce big men, big thinking men, big hearted men, generous, big giving men. Men that can lead, not just when the going's good, but when the going's tough. You might not be a Christian in this place this morning, and that's fine. You are very welcome. We exist for people like you. You may be struggling with the Jesus concept, but you know, like you know, that what I'm saying is true. You can't deny it. And that's why we exist as a church, not to be religious, but to be real. To help people in their humanity. And you don't help people when you hang around idiots. You hang around idiots, you'll become an idiot. Every relationship has a dominant influence. And you'll either be helping people or they'll be helping you. Helping you become better or helping you become worse. You'll become like the people you hang around. I remember growing up and across the road was the Northeasts. And the middle northeast, Matthew, was trouble, but he kind of befriended Baz. And we always knew when Baz had hung around Matthew Northeast. Do you know why? Because Matthew took to smoking. And Baz would come home to our place smelling like Matthew. And that's what you do. You'll end up smelling like your mates. So you better make sure they smell good. Are you with me? Don't tell me you love God and then just do whatever the heck you like. Grow up. Can I say that in love? Grow up. Not here to produce babies. Well, we are, but we want them to grow up. (laughs) Making babies is fun. (laughs) Men that love God love the church. How's this? Paul's persecuting the church. He's having so much fun persecuting the church, putting people to death. He goes to a place called Damascus. You know the story, Acts chapter 9, many of you would know that story. He's on his way, he's on his high horse, going over to Damascus, going to destroy the church. Enter Jesus. Jesus stands in between him, Paul, and the church. And Jesus says these words to him. He says, Saul, he was known as Saul then, he had a name change later. He says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute Who? me. He didn't say, why do you persecute the church? He said, why do you persecute me? In other words, when you touch the church, when you hate the church, Jesus has got, you've got issues with Jesus. Don't tell me you can love Jesus and just ignore the church. You can't. Just like you can't have fellowship with me because you like me but hate my wife. You ain't getting the invites to my house if you've got issues with my wife. But I love you, Tony. It's all right. It's just not like the cow of a woman you married. That's how, Christ, that's how people treat the church. The church is the bride of Christ. And instead of holding her near and dear, we treat her like an old bag. And she's beautiful. She's not perfect. My wife, Kath, she's not perfect, but she is beautiful to me. And if you mess with her, you mess with me. You talk bad about her, you've got issues with me. 
Don't think you can talk bad about the church. And Jesus would just wink at it. Jesus would get mighty ticked off. You want to hang around real men? Hang around men that get to church. One thing I loved about my dad growing up is that he never missed church, even when I was playing soccer on Sundays. We think as parents, you know, it's great to support your kids, and it is. And it is. Because growing up, having said that as a truth, I never felt I missed out. Dad was more present in my life than most parents that did all the sports things. But here's the thing that it did psychologically for me. When dad wouldn't go to something because church was on, but made up for it at other times, it said something to me. Wow, dad's serious. In other words, he's not a hypocrite. What's the biggest problem that non-Christians have with the church? Because they're a bunch of hypocrites. And you know what? The world aren't stupid. Non-Christians aren't stupid. When they say the church is full of hypocrites, they're actually right. Because they recognize and see through the lie. When you say, you say you love God and he's more important than anything else, but you never, ever walk your life that way. You drop church, you drop him for anything and everything. I believe one of the factors that led me to Christ was the incredible integrity of this man that he didn't live a hypocritical life. And yes, I would have liked him at some of those soccer matches. I would have, I'll be honest with you, I would have liked him there. But he did something better for me than just be there at that moment. He instilled in me that this, the realness of his relationship with God. Because as a young man growing up, I'm a thinker. And if someone says to me, Jesus is more important than anything else in my life, and then tells me a story to back up why that is the case, because he died for me, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then his lifestyle matches that. But then he still loves me and he still makes up for the times he can't be there. That's an incredibly attractive quality. Are you hanging around men like that? Or are you hanging around like men and say, ah, oh, it doesn't matter, it's just church. You can always go next week, which you actually don't get to. But you can go the week after, but you actually don't get there. But, but you can go the week after, but you actually don't get there. And pretty soon a month goes by. Do you know the message we're giving off to the next generation? It doesn't matter. It's not important. You'll do what, whatever is most important you do. That's what you do. Every one of you will eat today. And not just your egg roll. You'll eat again because it's important to you. You will make sure you eat this day. Because it's important. We can change society. We can change this community. We can change this world if we're prepared to change our thinking and hang around real men. Real men, great men, good men, Love God. I'm going to quote Mark Driscoll, if that's okay. He said this recently in one of his preachers, salvation costs you nothing. Free gift of God, praise Jesus. But discipleship will cost you everything. Giving your life to Jesus costs you nothing. Following him costs you everything. If you understand that, church on Sunday is not an issue. It's going to cost you a lot more than that. Salvation occurs in a moment, but discipleship takes a lifetime. Jesus asks whether or not you truly want to live a life of discipleship. If you are a disciple, you do not quit. You don't. You never, 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 never give up. Oh, it doesn't mean you don't want to, but you never give up. 
Mark Gerber and I last night had the privilege of going to Ed's church and we were just laughing and joking as we were reminiscing about uh, this building project. I want to tell you, we got there, but we just got there. I reckon another six months and I'm in a mental institution along with Mark and Pete's dead. We just got there. You laugh because you think it's funny. It was not funny. It's not funny. And when we felt like giving up, and thinking, what the heck are we doing this for? We just hang around for one more day. You hang around for one more day. And when you want to give up, Jesus, just hang, one more day. And you find grace for one more day. Because that's how God gives his grace, one day at a time. He doesn't give you grace every year. He gives it one day at a time. He said, God, I can't go on anymore. I've only got another day left. That's all you need, one more day. God, I can't go on. I've only got enough for one more. That's all you need. That's how dad stayed married to a woman that doesn't love him for over 50 years. How? One day at a flipping time. Ask dad if he ever felt like leaving. Not feeling like leaving because you're married to such an incredible woman. There's no test in that. Oh, my woman that gives you sex whenever you want. She's beautiful. She cooks and cleans. She goes out to work. You stay at home, do nothing. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be a real man for that. Yeah, who is this woman? <laughs> my wife. Oh. Everything that matters is hard. Get that. Does church matter? Yes. That's why it's hard at times. Does marriage matter? Yes. That's why it's hard at times. Do your kids matter to you? Yes. That's why it's flipping hard at times. Because it's important. Everything that matters is hard. Everything that matters is costly. You, do your kids matter? That's why they cost so flipping much. Does your wife matter? Same deal. <laughs> times 10. <laughs> Does the church matter? That's why it's costly. Because it matters. And because it matters, we ain't given up. And we ain't given in. Do not quit. Don't waste your life. Make your death count. I love that. The thought of making my death count, uh, I love that. I love that. Ashley Evans, who spoke this time last, Real Men. His mother died recently, like two, three weeks ago, passed away. And he said, if you want to come to her celebration of life service, it's at this day. It wasn't a funeral. They just celebrated her life. Yeah, they're going to miss her, the person. Oh, but her death counted for something. Hundreds and thousands of lives in Adelaide and around the world have been changed because of that woman. Her death counts for something. Some people die and you don't even know they lived. It's pathetic. I don't want that for me and I don't want it for you. I'm, if I'm getting strong, I don't apologise because I want the best for you. Your stupid mates don't. They just want to drink with you. They just want to do drugs with you. They just want to you know, sleep around with you maybe. Not your mates, but the girls. <laughs> maybe some of your mates do. I don't know. Some of you are good-looking men. You really are. 
Last night we was at Edge on the front row as... How's this? Last night was at Edge Church on the front row. Special guest. My wife couldn't be with me because she was here at the women's meeting. I took my brother. The host of the evening was just oh, it was fantastic to have JD and Rianne from Coastlands Church with us at Edge Church. That's fantastic. And it's also great to have Tony and Peter Rainbow here. It got very homosexual. Very, it's just weird. It's just weird. Make your death count. Do not raise your hand. He's talking in response to salvation and following Jesus. Do not raise your hand unless you're ready to go through and see it to the end. Just keep your hand down. Because the moment you say you're a Christian and live like you always did, you're just a disgrace. You're a disgrace. You are. You're better off saying, I'm not ready. But when you say yes to Jesus and live like you used to live, you're a disgrace. It's pathetic. And you're better than that. These ordinary men were extraordinary. There was something different. And they tied it back to Jesus. When you say you're a Christian and there's nothing different, they'll tie it back to Jesus. And you water down the power of the most incredible man that ever lived. Don't do that. It's a disgrace. I'm out of time. I had some great points on my great little iPad. But to become a good man, you've got to hang around good men. And good men love God. Good men know how to judge well. And good men know how to challenge you. talking to someone recently, well, a number of people in that age bracket, in their 30s, young kids, sporting commitments, cost of private school, busy. That's the excuse for not being involved. That's the excuse. In other words, what they're saying is, when I'm through this season, then I will. Something, okay, I do the maths. Okay, so that would put you in this age bracket. I go to some people in that age bracket. You know what they're telling me? Oh, man, I'm tired. I I just want to travel. I've got freedom. My kids off my hand. I just want to travel. Are you kidding me? All I'm hearing is blah, blah, blah. All I'm hearing is excuse, excuse, excuse. Here's the thing. There's no great time. There's no convenient time. have got single guys. When I'm married, it'd be great because then I'll have a home. I'll be able to invite people into my house and I'll be able to serve Jesus that way. No, you won't. And then there's others who are married. Oh, man, it's all right for you single guys. You don't have to get home to the missus. Shut up. Oh, I've got kids now. Man, kids for me has been the greatest tool for meeting more people. It's been the greatest thing ever. And when I'm freed up and they're off my hands, it'll be the greatest season of my life ever because I'll be more freed up. Every season is either the worst for you or the best for you. It's, it's how you choose it to be. You right now are in the best place of your life. You are. If you're single, man, that's awesome. If you're married, fantastic. If you're married to a woman that doesn't love you, that's great because you've got a great testimony. Just think, with a bad marriage, you can breed all this if you hang around. Because this is not because of Tony Rainbow. 
or Pete or Baz. And I think we've played our part, but it's not because of us. I think it was because there was a man who made a decision to flip and stick around. And when I wanted him to come to soccer, he said, no, there's something more important going on. And I think we're all grateful for that. Can we just show our appreciation to my dad? I'm not big-headed. People think I am. I've never said I'm this and I'm that without joining it to the fact why I'm like that. If I am good, which I am, it's because I hang around good men. If I'm awesome, which I am, it's because I hang around awesome men. If I'm flipping amazing, it's because I hang around flipping amazing people. They've helped me be all those things. And yes, I am awesome. And yes, I'm flipping amazing. Because I've hung around people like that. If I hang around idiots, I'd be saying to you, I'm an idiot. I just don't tolerate idiots because they do too much damage. But if we can have real blokes, real men, stand up and get alongside some of these idiots and not be influenced by them, but influence them and turn some idiots into mighty men. Some of you are idiots. I was. I was an idiot. I was an idiot. Did some shoplifting at age 12 with my mum, idiot. She was distressed and distraught and said, you wait till your father gets home, you get in so much trouble. I was a mess, I was crying, I was upset. Dad, being the man of discernment he was, walks in and says, what's going on? Mum says, tell him. I said, Dad, I got caught shoplifting, I took some chewies. I was a mess. I'm not condoning shoplifting. I'm not playing down the severity of it. But Dad looked at me as a great man knowing exactly what I needed at that exact moment. And without minimising the severity of the act, he looked me in the eye and said, you should have been quicker. (laughs) See, great men don't tell the kids off based on how it makes them look. Get that? Great men don't tell their kids off based on how their kids make them look. Your kids will make you look really stupid. Your kids will make you look like the worst dad in the world. It's the nature of kids. But dad put that aside and said, I'm going to give this kid what he needs right now. And it's not a bollocking. It's just some love. Because I beat myself up more than he could ever do. There are other times I'd be really cocky and... (laughs) Whack! Great men know how to discipline and when to discipline. They know when to use the rod. They know when to hug. The hug usually came straight after the rod. (laughs) It's Stan. I want to pray for you guys. What the heck is that? That's the noisiest stand-up I've ever heard in my life. Okay, let's make noise. Come on, just make some noise. <laughs> Get it out of your system, little boys. Come on, man, you're better than the life you're living. We are. We're better. I'm better than this. We've got, we got an incredible destiny to fulfill. 
We've got communities to impact. This is just the start. Tomorrow, this church, I can't believe it, 17 years on the day tomorrow. 17 years. 17 years. You know, I feel like we're just starting. I don't feel tired. I don't feel burnt out. I don't feel wearied. I don't feel like my wife's getting the better of me, my kid's getting the better of me. Or the... I just feel like we're ready to just take some more ground. We've got some multi-site campuses to plant. Not just one, not just two, not just three. Not just in Adelaide. I see them over Australia. I see them in different parts of the world. Victory churches. You can be part of it. And part of this incredible her- heritage and legacy. And it can start right here, right now, with you making the decision. And you can get out today and ring some people and say, come tomorrow night. Because John Bishop, John Bishop has a heart for your friends that say they don't like church. Get him here. In actual fact, I feel very similar to John in that. I have a heart for your friends that say they don't like church. I'll back myself and back you and back this church that will blow their minds if you can get them here. If you just get out of your comfort zone and see it a little bit differently, if you can get them here, I, I think it will go a massive way to them coming to Christ. I really do. I'm proud of what we're doing. I'm proud of it. I believe in it. I don't think there's anything else worth getting involved in or investing in. This is it. It's awesome. That doesn't mean everyone's going to become full-time pastors. You're a minister right where you are. You're not a policeman, Matt. You're a, you're a child of God and you've got an opportunity wherever you go. And that's true for whatever it is that you do. School teachers out there, Mr. Smedley, Mr. Vega, Mr. Morton. We've got so many teachers, not funny. Maybe it's just me, he's the only unschooled one in here. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Have I prayed yet? I don't think I have, have I? So get along to that. And tomorrow, tomorrow I want to share something that's really important. I'm going to make a, an announcement. And so spread that. Get on Facebook. Get on Twitter. Let, let people know you've got to be at church tomorrow morning. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to share. I don't take it lightly. And I pray that you'd take my words and somehow massage them into our hearts and into our spirit that we might be changed and become more like you. And in becoming more like you, we would affect others. Just like the disciples, in betraying the characteristics of Christ, people took notice. And I pray that people would take notice this morning of the men in this room. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for your time. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.